Hello, everybody. Today is Thursday, October 29th, 2020, and this is the Locked On Big 12 podcast brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com today for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. On the show today, we have three previews for games this weekend. We've got Iowa State and Kansas, TCU and Baylor, and Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Also, in addition to that, we'll start off by covering the release from the Big 12 of the all-conference team in men's basketball. We've got uh, players of the year, newcomer of the year, freshman of the year in the all-conference team, honorable mention, all those kinds of things. So we'll get to all those first, and then our first three game previews for the upcoming weekend in Big 12 football. All right, let's get to it, everybody. A busy day today on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. We've got those three game previews. I mentioned those are coming up. We'll have Iowa State, Kansas, TCU, and Baylor, and we'll round it out with Oklahoma at Texas Tech. But first, let's talk about the all-Big 12 conference teams that were released from the Big 12 conference yesterday on Wednesday. This was voted on by the coaches. Your preseason player of the year is Jared Butler, the junior guard from Baylor. Your newcomer of the year is Marcos Santos Silva from Texas Tech, the transfer from VCU. He is a senior. And your preseason freshman of the year is Cade Cunningham, the outstanding prospect from Oklahoma State. Your preseason All-Big 12 team is Jared Butler as one of the guards. He's alongside Marcus Garrett of Kansas. The senior, surprisingly, the only Jayhawk on this list. Austin Reeves of Oklahoma, the 6'5 guard, the senior, is on there, transfer from Wichita State. He played last year. Cade Cunningham made the team, uh, the guard from Oklahoma State at 6'8". So the freshman will be on uh, representing on that group. So already accolades for Cade Cunningham, and he has not yet played a game. Matt Coleman the third, the senior guard from Texas. Oscar Shibway, the rebounding machine, the sophomore from West Virginia, is on the list. And then the honorable mentions are Macy Oteague of Baylor, Mark Vital of Baylor, Greg Brown III from Texas, Courtney Ramey of Texas, Jericho Sims of Texas, Kyler Edwards, and Matt McClung representing Texas Tech, and then Derek Culver of West Virginia also on that list. At first glance, the thing that catches my eye and that kind of jogs my memory is, wow, Baylor didn't lose much. Yeah, they lost Freddie Gillespie, and yes, they lost Devontae Bandu. But besides that, they still bring back a majority of that team and a really good team as well. You think about the number of guys they bring back. Mark Vital, Jared Butler, obviously coming back. Tristan Clark got to play some last year. Macy Oteague, uh, Davion Mitchell. I mean, they bring back five guys from a very productive team and a team that we thought for you know the longest time was going to be a one seed, was going to win the Big 12 tournament potentially, uh, you know, a number one team in the country last year. So Baylor is bringing back a whole heck of a lot. You look at this list and you also realize – Wow, Kansas uh, might not be the Kansas that we are accustomed to seeing this year. You know, the preseason All-Big 12 team, we're only seeing one player from KU, and that is Marcus Garrett, and he's definitely deserving to be on this list. He is their best player, one of the best defensive players in the country. He might be the best perimeter player, uh, perimeter defender in the country, and we know Bill Self loves Marcus Garrett. Besides that, you're not seeing a whole lot on this list, and obviously they lose... Uh, the tandem of Azabuki and Devon Dotson, which is going to hurt that team. They had Silvio D'Souza step away from the team, and he is now facing, uh, it looks like, assault and battery charges 
Uh, yeah, so former KU basketball player Sylvia D'Souza facing charge of aggregate, aggravated battery. Court records show. So, and, and D'Souza just stepped away from the team. This came out on October 28th, so yesterday. Uh, a lot of issues. Obviously, D'Souza had his struggles with Kansas, whether it be uh, in the fight at Allen Fieldhouse last year between Kansas and Kansas State, the improper benefits that his guardian allegedly took, and now he is fighting this case as well, too. So it's been a tumultuous time for Sylvia D'Souza and uh, one of the veteran players. It looks like Kansas is going to lose him. Now for Texas, this is a team that last year it felt like things could have been going uh, a certain way for uh, head coach Shaka Smart. It felt like he could have been seeing the end of his run at the University of Texas. And you're looking at this list and you see it's littered with Texas guys. And so I don't know if COVID saved his job. It felt like that Texas Tech-Texas game was for a spot in the NCAA tournament. That that game was going to happen at the Big 12 tournament, if you guys remember. On that Thursday, it was a noon tip-off. Such an important basketball game, but it never happened. And now you're seeing this list. Matt Coleman is on there. And then the honorable mentions, you're seeing three Texas guys, Ramey, Jericho, Sims, and uh, and also Greg Brown III. So a bunch of Texans, uh, a bunch of Longhorns, rather, on this list. Another thing is Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. We're all curious about how good he's going to be. We're all curious about how this is going to bolster the program and what Mike Boynton's got going on there. Hopefully this team uh, gets a bit of a lift because they've needed it for a while. He is the best prospect they've had bar none since, I believe, Marcus Smart. So uh, a lot of accolades, a lot of appreciation for Cade Cunningham before he has even played a single basketball game. It's also nice to see Oscar Sheboy and then Derek Culver, as honorable mention, for the West Virginia team that last year, Jekyll and Hyde, right? An excellent team at home, an atrocious team on the road. And they're trying to find some consistency. So another thing this reminds us of is that the depth of the Big 12, right? This this kind of reminds us how many quality players there are in this league and a lot of veteran players on this list. Not a ton of freshmen on this list like other conferences, right? You've got one freshman representing uh, in this group of the preseason all Bay 12 team, and that is Cade Cunningham. So I'm um, curious to see, and also the number of transfers that Texas Tech has. They seem to always get one or two every year. Last year, TJ Holyfield and Chris Clark fit that uh, description, and now they've got Matt McClung, and also they've got Marcos Santos Silva, who I loved during his time at VCU. thought he was a really good player. There's so much always to be optimistic about. And for me, Chris Beard, he is one of the three best coaches in all of college basketball. So a uh, fun to kind of get the wheels turning about basketball. Once again, I am a bit skeptical about how the season's going to progress with COVID and everything, but at least we're kind of getting a little bit of, um, you know, things going as usual right now with this list coming out. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to preview the weekend's games, three of the weekend's games. We save our best two games of the weekend for tomorrow. Uh, but we've got previews for Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, and TCU, as well as Oklahoma and Texas Tech. But first, a word from our sponsors. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. 
Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind and watch some Big 12 football. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. All right, I am very excited to get going on our game previews. Here is the way it's going to work in a standard week. If we have five Big 12 games... What I'm going to do is I will preview the three games that I would not consider to be the marquee games of the weekend. So Thursday, you'll get three previews and the three non-marquee games. On Friday, you'll get the two marquees and you will get uh, some national picks as well, too. So a lot of that is going to be against the spread. But for the Big 12 ones, we're going to give you comprehensive breakdowns. And then also, too, I'll end up tweeting out my game picks as well from the Locked On Big 12 account. Last week, 4-0-1 against the spread. So a good start. Not sure how I feel about this week against the spread, but let's get into these game previews and maybe I get some clarity. You will get some clarity as well. The first game I think we have a lot of clarity on. It is Iowa State at Kansas. Iowa State is number 23 in the country. They are 3-2, 3-1 in the conference. At Kansas, who is 0-5, 0-4 in the Big 12. This one is at noon on FS1. The line is Iowa State by 28 and a half. Uh, this was on Wednesday. That line has held steady. The streak in this one is Iowa State. They have won this game five straight times. Relevant news coming into this game, Jalen Daniels is going to be the starter, it sounds like. Miles Kendrick is not anywhere near uh, healthy, it sounds like, when it comes from less miles. What is at stake? Uh, Iowa State is looking to stay within one game of the conference lead. They're still within a game of Kansas State, and Kansas State plays West Virginia this week, so there's a chance that Iowa State could uh, even, you know, get back to within a game or, you know, be tied for one of the top spots in the conference right now, Kansas State at 4-0, Iowa State at 3-1. Iowa State wins this weekend, and Kansas State, if they lose against uh, West Virginia, Iowa State then is now in a tie for second place. And if Oklahoma State loses this week against Texas, that would put Iowa State with a win in a tie for first place because they had played uh, one more conference game. Obviously, at this point, they're 3-1. and one. Oklahoma State is 3-0, and oh, so Iowa State does have that loss kind of in hand. But also, too, you know they're really just playing right now for a shot at the Big 12 title game and a win this weekend, a Kansas State loss, and even the Oklahoma State loss would put them in a virtual tie for that spot uh, at the top. So, you know, Iowa State still very much right there at the top of the conference. At stake for Kansas getting their first win of the season, getting their first win against a ranked opponent since 2010, and getting their first win versus a ranked conference opponent since 2008. The last time they did that, that was the Missouri Tigers in 08, and last time they beat a ranked team outright, it was Georgia Tech back in 2010. So it's been over a decade right now for Kansas since they have beaten a ranked team. All right, let's look at some of the big numbers here coming into the game right now. Points per game, Iowa State has an edge 28 to 15. Points allowed per game, Iowa State allows 26.8. Kansas allows 45. So the Jayhawks, on average, are getting outscored by over 30 points or by exactly on the nose 30 points per game. Uh, the key stats here, KU is last in the league in total yards per game, passing yards per game, and scoring offense. They have 75 
total points. That's last in the conference. That's also nine less than Baylor, who has played two fewer games. The Kansas offense has been miserable so far this season. Um, They are second worst in total yards allowed per game in the conference. They are worst in the league in rushing yards allowed per game. They are the worst scoring defense in the league by eight points at 45 points per game. And also, Iowa State's Brees Hall, this is on the positive side, leads the country at 142 rushing yards per game. So this one is probably going to go, it's going to be one-way traffic. And what I'm looking to see in this game is a couple things. Kansas has allowed 24 sacks this season. I'm interested to see if they can try and keep Jalen Daniels upright. Um, He is a good young prospect. I think he could be a very good young quarterback. Les Miles compared him to Cam Newton. I'm not on that comparison. I'm nowhere near as high on him as that. But I think with the proper protection, and I think if they can continue to grow the roster and get some actual weapons on this team and keep some of the guys that they have, the big issue they have is you lost a guy like Khalil Herbert, and you're looking at his performance right now at Virginia Tech. The guy's a star. He's an absolute star for that Virginia Tech offense. He's going to be an NFL player. You ask yourself, could Khalil Herbert, if he stayed at Kansas, recognize the potential that he had in him? No, he couldn't. And that's not his fault, right? I don't think Khalil Herbert all of a sudden went to Virginia Tech and grew some uh, you know, organic work ethic out of nowhere. This guy, for all accounts, is a really hard worker, always has been a very hard worker. And the issue at Kansas State, or excuse me, at Kansas, was that there was no complimentary offense. They were frisky last year at times, but there's nothing on offense. I mean, it's, it's pretty much when Kansas has a playmaker, they've got to ride that guy into the ground because they don't have much else. This team needs to continue to build, and they need to see this week if they can try and keep Jalen Daniels a bit cleaner and establish some kind of offense. And I think they try to do that on the ground against a pretty decent Iowa State defense uh, as well, too. They did give up a lot of rushing yards last week to Chuba Hubbard, and uh, Spencer Sanders had a pretty good game, too. This week, I'd like to see if Iowa State is up for that challenge, and I believe they are just because that Kansas offensive line has been a disaster so far this year. For Iowa State, what I'm looking for them to do in this game is I want to see them have a more balanced offense. I think last week, really the rushing is is where a lot of their attack came from. I thought Brock Purdy was very good on the ground, in addition to Brees Hall being very good. I thought Brock Purdy, uh, his understanding of when to keep it himself on the option has grown tremendously. He's starting to understand reading defenses much better. Now, in the passing game, they've got so many big weapons on the outside and you know also big weapons at tight end as well. The size of their receivers is their strength. I'd like to see them get that going this week. And against you know, a bad Kansas team, I think the order of the day for, for Iowa State is building balance. Can you give us the balance of that pass and the run that a lot of us thought would lead to Iowa State being this potentially elite college football team, period? Not just Big 12 team this season, an elite college football team this season. I'm wondering if they can do that because I think on defense, they'll be able to take care of that. I want to see the offense establish some balance this week in the passing game and in the running game. We know can we know Iowa State can run the ball against Kansas. We know they can. There's no doubt about that. Iowa State needs to establish the passing game and then marry the two together. So this week, that is the first thing I'm looking for. Now my question is, laying 28 and a half, the general rule of thumb here is lay it. Whatever the number is against Kansas, 
lay it. They are 0-5 against the spread so far this season. Iowa State uh, this year, let me give it take a quick look. They are 2-3 and three against the spread, but Kansas refuses to cover because uh, they're just not very good. Also, too, this is a get-right game for Iowa State. This is a game where you get yourself back on track after a pretty difficult loss last week. The rest of the schedule for them, they play Baylor, Kansas State at Texas, West Virginia. So get yourself right this week and get ready for that closing stretch of the season. Because, I mean, Iowa State, they are halfway home now. They need to finish strong. This is where you try to get that balance back. I'd lay the 28-and-a-half all over Iowa State in this game uh, until Kansas proves me otherwise. That is the way to go. Okay, up next on the docket, we've got the revivalry this week between Baylor and and TCU. This one, TCU is one and three, one and two in the Big 12 against Baylor, who is one and two uh, overall, and one and two in the conference. This game was at 3:30 on ESPN two. The line coming in: TCU are two and a half point favorites. Baylor has won uh, the last game, won it last year, 29-23 in overtime. Before that, TCU had won the last four. What is at stake here in this game? I put down fan base anxiety because I think whatever team lose this game is going to start to become a bit more uh, grumpy and a bit more upset with their their team because one and three or one and four is going to be one of these teams, right? That, that's going to be the situation. Baylor, you get more of a pass, right? It's with all the reasons we talked about previously in the podcast, it being the first year, there being COVID issues for the team. But TCU, uh, I think there's a bit more anxiety there because th- this loss would mean a trend downwards uh, through th- for that program and just kind of the way you're looking at this season, not building anything. This is a big game for both of these teams. The relevant news here, Tristan Ebner and John Lovett are not opting out. We talked about both these things earlier this week. These guys seem to be heading that way. Sikkim365 said that they're, you know, some sources said those guys were opting out. Safe to say they were probably were. They were probably thinking about it. And then, I, I mean, my my gut is that they're maybe talked back into it. Maybe they sat down with the coaching staff and said, okay, uh, you know, we've rethought about it. We're not going to. You know, I, I think that's important, right? I, I think that's kind of shows that there's a maturing, there is a group collective. And that is something that I like going into this game, the fact that, you know, I trust that reporting from Sikkim 365. I assume that those guys were having some doubts, having some thoughts about stepping away from the team and going that direction and opting out. Uh, They decided not to. A look here at some of the numbers just from a more broad stance. Uh, The points per game, TCU is just under 24. Baylor's at 28 points allowed per game. TCU at 30.5. Baylor at 22.7. So you're kind of seeing that defensive identity for Baylor really shine through. And that typical defensive identity for TCU has not been there this year. Yards per game, TCU 412.3, Baylor at 308 on the nose. The offense for Baylor this year has been absolutely dreadful so far this season. Um, it's been very challenging for them to establish anything. Charlie Brewer has kind of been a bit of a disaster. Now taking a look at some of the key stats, TCU is 6th in the conference in yards per game at 412. Baylor is ninth. so those two numbers I mentioned, that's where they rank. Two of the three worst scoring offenses in the league. Like I mentioned, those two numbers for scoring, those are two of the three worst. Baylor is third in the conference, though, in scoring defense, and TCU is seventh. Charlie Brewer has been sacked eight times in three games. Max Duggan sacked 13 times in four games. The lines for these teams have been dreadful so far this season. The protection has been bad. The running games have been bad. These teams have struggled to establish the run, and both of them would like to do so. 
Um, both of these teams would like their identities to be running the football. You know, we talked to uh, Stephen Simcox of the Locked On Horn Frogs podcast and mentioned how, yeah, they brought in some air raid coaches, but this team still wants to run the football and play good defense. Uh, and, and for TCU, they've got five sacks in four games, so maybe they'd be able to get after the quarterback a bit more, but Baylor has gotten eight and three. So I, I think Baylor's ability, I think Terrell Bernard and William Bradley King can have big days for the Bears on defense and hopefully set up that offense. I do think that offense rallies. I do think that offense comes together a little bit this week. I know in this game, you know, TCU is the favorite, but I feel like Baylor should be. And I feel like one of the keys to this game is which team is going to convert in the red zone. And TCU does have the better red zone offense. In fact, it is the best red zone offense statistically in the country right now. They just don't make a ton of trips. For Baylor, they've had 11 trips in the red zone. They've only scored seven times. Also, too, I think whatever team is able to convert on third down is going to get this thing done. Both these teams are bottom half of you know teams that have played multiple games uh, in the country. They're a little bit under 40% to both of them of converting on third down. So whichever team does more of the converting on third down or giving themselves more manageable third downs, I think is going to win this football game. And for me, I think it's where Baylor finally finds some kind of offense. You can get to that TCU defense. And after a rough opening three weeks, I feel like this Baylor team is ready to turn a corner. And I think they can this game. What's going to be a low scoring, ugly game. So Baylor's getting points at home. If you're looking at this from a gambling perspective, take the two and a half. Take the points at home for Baylor and take the Bears here because I think they win this game outright. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring. So if you want to take the under as well in this game, which I believe right now is at 48. So obviously the odds makers think this is going to be a slugfest as well. I would take the under and I would take the Bears here if you're looking to throw down a little bit of cash on this game. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will have one more game, Oklahoma and Texas Tech. We'll have our preview of that game, a bit of Big 12 news as well. But before that, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the best possible price rather than charging what the market will bear like airlines do. And it is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, like I said, they are always reliably low. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts for your car or truck. rockauto.com all right, last game preview here on this Thursday. We've got Oklahoma at Texas Tech. The Sooners are number 24 in the country. They are 3-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. Texas Tech is 2-3 and three overall, 1-3 and three in the conference. This game is 8 p.m. on Fox. Your line is 14. The streak currently in the series is eight straight wins for Oklahoma. The last time Texas Tech got a win, it was 2011, and they were coached by current uh, Alabama U.S. Senate candidate Tommy Tuberville. So it has been a while since Texas Tech has gotten a dub in this series. Key news here, Texas Tech is missing like everybody on their offense. I mean, their entire offense uh, has been basically decimated with injuries and I think some non-disclosed things. We don't know if it's COVID or not. Matt Wells did not have much for us this week on what the injury situation was going to be going into this game. 
This is the injury situation the best we can tell, and this comes from Sooner's Wire. So Tech ended the West Virginia game without receivers. Keyshawn Carter, elbow. Dalton Rigdon, concussion. McLean Mannix, back. TJ Vasher, undisclosed injury. Then running back Sir Roderick Thompson, ribs. Xavier White, shoulder. Jadarius Townsend, undisclosed reason. The receivers and Townsend missed all game. Thompson and White got hurt during the game. So that is kind of why the Texas Tech offense stalled a little bit there towards the back end of the game. Looking at some of the numbers, points per game, Oklahoma is just below 40. Texas Tech is at 32. Points allowed per game, uh, Oklahoma at 26.8. Texas Tech at 37. Oklahoma averages 500 yards per contest total. Texas Tech at 430.8. This is where Oklahoma has a distinct advantage in the passing department. Uh, It has been 353 yards per contest for Oklahoma through the air. And the 282, that's for Texas Tech. Not a bad number, but Oklahoma's passing offense has been dominant. And the yards allowed per game through the air, Texas Tech is allowing 337 passing yards per game. So Tech gives it up through the air. Their defense, I believe, is pretty healthy, but the issue I have is Oklahoma is going to score on them in this game, and I don't think Texas Tech is going to have the horses. And I, I don't mean they don't have the actual talent. I just think they're going to be without the players that they have, you know, they're accustomed to having. Texas Tech is, is just going to be so limited on offense that I don't know if they're going to be able to keep this game close. And I think because Oklahoma is looking to build on some momentum right now they got from that TCU win last week, I think this is Oklahoma's game, and I don't see it being that close. And this one, if I were betting on this one, I would definitely take Oklahoma and lay the 14. I don't think there's much of a chance for Texas Tech to keep this game close. I'm excited to see more of Marvin Mims this week in this game, and I'm excited to see what this Oklahoma offense can do against a bad defense, and they're looking to build more of that consistency, right? We're looking for this offense to grow, and this is a chance for you to have you know have a lot of fun on offense if you're Oklahoma, and I do think they do this week. I will say this. Texas Tech's one advantage they have is that they keep a very clean pocket. Uh, Texas Tech has allowed the fewest sacks in the league so far this year amongst the Big 12 teams. So they could give their receivers a chance to get open against these Oklahoma corners if they can provide more time uh, or provide as much time as they have been so far this year. And this game is going to be a question of how close it is, is going to be a question of what weapons are available at Henry Columbia's disposal. And uh, like I said, I don't think there's going to be a ton. So I would take Oklahoma in this game. Kind of quick and easier preview here, but I don't think it's much more complicated than that. And I think if Matt Wells knew those guys would be able to play at a high level, you know, I think he'd be saying, hey, we're all good to go. You know, this this week we're, we're going to be fine. But I think playing it close to the vest, like many coaches do, I just don't think it's a great sign. It's not a great symbol, uh, you know, moving forward for them. So this could be another challenging week. But Texas Tech... They did get a good win against a good West Virginia team last week. This week, I'm just not too sure they're going to have the guys around to make this thing a very competitive game. Before we get out of here, I want to hit some Baylor women's basketball news. Uh, So apparently, Dee Dee Richards and Moon Urson were injured in practice for the Baylor women's basketball team. They had a collision, according to Michelle Vopel of ESPN.com. Moon Urson is in concussion protocol, and Richards has been released from the hospital after a spinal cord injury. I believe they are both out indefinitely, and uh, we're glad they're both recovering, but a really scary story there with a concussion and a spine injury. So we hope for them. They both have fast recoveries, and they're able to get back on the court uh, pretty soon for Baylor this season. 
All right, that will do it for us today. Make sure you guys check out us on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. And then look for tomorrow's show. We preview the two marquee games. We give you picks from across the country. And Pat, the sports guy from the Locked On Longhorns podcast, is going to be joining me to preview the Texas-Oklahoma State game and then give us some picks for the weekend as well. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.